Welcome to Cards and Cubes, a show about board games that you didn't grow up playing. On today's show, we will talk about some games played. We will do a spotlight on Barrage. We will do our top three favorite long play games. Today is November 9th, episode number nine. We're recording at Demolition Games, located at 85 West and 3300 South, Salt Lake City, Utah. If you're in the Salt Lake City area, we highly suggest you come down to Demolition Games for some great deals. We are your hosts. I'm Brandon. I'm Christo. Justine. And Matt. All right, so before we get this... The show started properly. Last week, we attended um, International Games Day at, uh, what's this event center called? It's Viridian. 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 Okay. It's a library in West Jordan. Yep. Um, you know, Risto and I were talking about this. We're like, is it an actual International Games Day? Or did they make it up or what? We looked it up and it's actually an International Games Week. Mm-hmm. It's a whole week long. I think a uh, majority of it takes place not in the states i'm not sure about that completely but it is like uh, a, a bunch of libraries around the world participate and they get the community together by playing board games so we attended the one in utah um freestone i've been a few times matt and justine you guys we've been twice oh you've been twice this twice was our before. second oh, okay no this is our third I just kind of wanted to collect our thoughts on the event. Um, I, I personally really like it. I, I'll go every single year. Mm-hmm. It's like a... I'd say that it's probably better, actually, the way we have it, uh, kind of, because what makes the Viridian event great is the events for all libraries, I think, just not just for the Viridian library. What makes the uh, Viridian library cool is the Saltcon organizers are there, and they bring a bunch of... Um, games from their library which mm-hmm. kind of sets the tone of kind of what the meetup there is exactly. about uh mm-hmm. if you go to a different library i'm guessing you might actually get either like no people huh, at mm-hmm. all or probably kind of lighter games maybe even like mass market games mm-hmm. uh the viridian event in particular because there's kind of like cool euros from salt con uh it kind of is a better they are focusing more on euros right yeah yeah. i mean there's other games there obviously but majority of them when i was looking through the library was like a a pretty like impressive collection they do set the tone though because they brought a lot more kids games than the first time i went and there were a lot more (laughs) kids there than the first time i went it's not terrible i mean there's enough tables they weren't bothering me the kids were like, like they sniffed them out. They're like, there's even kids games here this time. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe, I don't know how they knew. It's been a couple of years since I gone, so maybe they've been getting more and more kids games. They've been noticing. Yeah, they could have also posted it on event. that. Yeah. Event but last time page. I went there, there were three whole shelves of Euro games. Now they kind of just did the newest and hottest Euro games, mainly, which was fine with me because I have a copy of Power Grid, yada, yada. Yeah, that's what, um, I, that's what I attend for is mm-hmm. to play some of these games that uh, <clears throat> I don't know if I want to buy, right? Yeah, a couple games that we played there, uh, the Luvia Project, Mm -hmm. which we all played as a group. group. Um, I think mixed feelings about it. I actually think I liked it more after I stepped away from it and thought about it. I think Risto really yeah, liked it. Yeah, I liked it. Uh, I think the biggest criticism is kind of like other games do this better and it's maybe a little too long. Mm, I kind of disagree with other games do it better. I think it's kind of unique in some ways. It is kind of too long, but I don't mind. 
So, yeah. The funny thing is, actually, uh, Brandon was joking, we should have been uh, doing that as a Halloween episode or something, because we had the moldy cubes. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I was, oh, this, this feels like Halloween, like touching mold. <laughs> yeah, I was paranoid the whole time that I was going to get <laughs> some kind of weird sickness. <laughs> yeah. No, but actually, it's kind of funny. Uh, I think... Uh, some other games have had this issue. I'm not sure if it's all games. Hopefully, it's not all games because some games had this issue where, like, the whole container was kind of like uh, damp or something on the way from mm-hmm. from shipping, and the games were moldy. Actually, so I don't know. Hopefully, that's. The issue. I mean, are you that's... sick? It's been a week. No, I think I, nothing yeah. happened. Don't be scared of mold on your. Cues. I was. I Just get paranoid about that kind of stuff. I was <laughs> consistently washing my hands. <laughs> Yeah. And like making sure not to touch my face at all, you know, funny. like yeah. it was like, yeah, it was, it was, it, I don't think it affected like my gameplay, but it affected my mm. em- emotional state <laughs> <laughs> enough to throw you off. Yeah. I think I, uh, sorry, I think it's fine, but uh, you can wash that off. I think if it's your game, I've heard of mm-hmm. people like washing it with soap, and it's just Dropping fine. There's weird. different types of mold, I think. So I don't I think, think this was the deadly kind. Obviously, yeah. Yeah. It we're wasn't all like black mold. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we're talking a lot about the mold and a little about the game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's I thought it was too long for specifically a recipe fulfillment. I got yeah. sick of assembling this many blue and this many black and this many white when so did they sick. didn't have any flavor. We <laughs> 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 just keep coming back to it. <laughs> you know, by the end, you know, round six wasn't that much different than round one. You just need more black cubes or whatever. So it wore out its welcome. I think it should have ended at round four. But I I didn't hate the game. I thought it was better than average. I would definitely play it again. That is true. I agree. You are doing the same thing in round one as in round six. There's some minor powers that might make the game different slightly, but it's pretty much the same round one, round six. I'm the same. I didn't hate the game. I'd play it again. I don't plan on buying it ever. Yeah, yeah. I, I liked it enough to... I'll play it pretty much any time, but yeah, I won't buy it. Um, I wonder, though, if... Because I thought it was going to be like an hour, hour and a half game and it ended up being two hours and like 20 minutes. I wonder if I knew that going in, if it, if I would have cared. Because I, it was just like an expectations mm-hmm. thing. I thought it was going to be shorter than it was. And it didn't. It, it's not necessarily that it felt that long. It was just that I, I had limited time at this event and I wanted to play more games and that t- that sucked up a huge mm-hmm. part of that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I liked it. Uh, another game we played that had the opposite, I guess, it was like really short, was Llama, which is yeah, funny enough an acronym. Yeah, L-L-A-M-A. I thought it was, I mean, yeah, there's no decisions. There might be one decision. Yeah. Do I play the same card or go higher? Yeah. And that could affect the game a lot. Uh, a couple of players, I think including Matt, oh, yeah. showed their hand for a while. Yeah. They just gave up and said, here's my hand. And that did kind of affect the game. Um, it's an Uno-style game. I think it's like, mm-hmm. it's it's uh, half a step up from Uno, I would say. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of a mix between Uno and like No Thanks or something. I don't know. It's weird. It, it has a, it definitely has like a push your luck aspect as well. That is part of the game. Like, yeah. do I push my luck? No, that's the other decision. Basically, the two decisions are like, 
do I push my luck and do I go higher? Um, and it's yeah, because you can fold essentially. It's a yeah. very very simple game. Uh, I think that's why everyone was like, "What the heck is this?" Because when you see Reiner Meteor, it's kind of like uh, I kind of expect not like a children's game yeah. where like play a card, pick up a card kind of yeah. A game. Yeah, the funniest yeah. part is the designer pedigree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a Reiner Meteor game. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, so if you were to play in a tournament setting, I guess you would try and track <laughs> how many sevens, how many fives are left in the deck, yada, yada. <laughs> and if you were to play Uno in the tournament setting, same thing. And I I don't even think it's a half a step up from Uno. Like, you have maybe one decision. And Uno, you know, maybe you reverse it. Maybe you know to play a yellow instead of a three. Same I think the here. I think the folding is, like, what yeah. really makes it. A little bit like better. Separates you could, you it could, Yeah, you could throw down your hand and say pass, and just you're taking the negative points in your hand rather than, like, pressing your luck. It's really like a press-your-luck card game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it would be really fun to play with um, not like young young kids, but like preteen, eight, tweens. nine, ten. Yeah, yeah. If you're looking for games to play with tweens. <laughs> yeah. Or I mean, if you you have a family member that like only wants to play Uno, maybe you're like we could play something else. It's a little different. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like same kind of like uh, deal for the last game. Like I would play it again. I wouldn't buy it, but I would buy the Luvia Project before I would buy Llama. If like yeah. if I'm you're buying something. Yeah. If you're forced, if to, I'm buy forced to buy one of them, it's the Luthia project for sure. <laughs> yeah. That was the only two games I played. You guys stayed a little bit longer than I did. Uh, we ended up playing Sierra West next. Yeah. Time. Oh, no, no, just kidding. I actually played the Tower of Madness, which is hilarious uh, because I played it with people who, uh, I guess, who prefer more serious games usually. <laughs> but. It's a, it's kind of a funny game. It's a Kerplunk, I guess, plus some Yahtzee elements. You roll dice, and if you fail at your roll, you pull out this thing out of a Cthulhu-style tower. A tentacle. A tentacle, tentacle, yeah. yeah. A tentacle. long plastic thing. Yes, out of a Cthulhu-style tower, and marbles come out. And actually, the marbles could be good. It's kind of like, basically, luck on top of luck, plus some more luck, and then sprinkled with... Luck, luck. <laughs> uh, because there's a, basically everything is kind of luck based. Um, I'd say there are some things you can do, like special powers and stuff. But the scores are hilariously swingy at the end. You kind of have like kind of no control over what happens. You roll dice and hope that it's whatever you need. Uh, some rounds have like completely random elements to them, which make things. Just more random. Uh, it's pretty fun, though. That's what the game kind of has going for it, which is kind of cool. Um, because usually the game would... I, I actually... I kind of just wanted to try it the first time because I thought I was going to totally hate it. But despite the luck, I think it's a fun game to play. Uh, it just has, like, kind of a fun element to it. I can't describe it, because usually I don't even like Cthulhu games. <laughs> this and is I, like a Euro gamer trying to understand what fun is. What is this <laughs> yeah, thing I'm feeling? Yeah, no, exactly. That, that's actually kind of how I feel playing this game. Like, how is this fun? This is, like, super random crap, like, rolling dice, pulling out, like, marbles out of a tower with, like, random <laughs> events, and, like, the scores are, like, 40 and then zero. And, like, yeah. like, what? <laughs> anyway, yeah. Well, I think we as... Um... Like, I mean, I consider myself a Euro gamer. I definitely prefer, you know, very little luck, lots of strategy. But I think sometimes we forget to just have a good time of, I mean, maybe we're flicking wooden bullets around a, a table. Maybe we're pulling tentacles out of a tower. And it's funny. 
and funny things happen. And I think sometimes we forget to that like our board gaming hobby is supposed to be about fun. And there is fun to be had with just funny, insane things happening in a Cthulhu game. Literally insane. Very true. I don't think we're depleted of that because we do like play party games as well. Mm-hmm. The thing is, is that just like any other game, there's good designs and there's bad designs. Yeah. And there's bad designs that are aimed to be fun, but uh, we usually are like, this isn't fun, this is kind of stupid, and it doesn't really work well. But every once in a while, I think a game comes along that designs fun really well, and it kind of like takes us by surprise, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that game in particular, I was just telling Matt before we were, we, were, we recorded the show, is that like I looked at it and was like, this looks really stupid. Probably like how <laughs> yeah. you had your thoughts. And then when I played it, I was like, oh, it's not. Because I thought it was just pulling. Like that was the main mechanic of the game. Yeah, pulling yeah. It was like Jenga. Yeah, or like her plunk. Um, but it, that's just like kind of a side thing that happens in it. And the, each marble represents a different thing. And it could make you go mad or it could give you good stuff. So it's just kind of a side thing. Really, it's like, yeah, yeah, I don't know baffled by it as well but I like surprisingly had a good time and I walked away from it saying like I shouldn't have liked that game yeah it's not a game I would buy or own but yeah. I would actually kind of play it pretty Seems much like any time three games in a row yeah we know how to do these cons or whatever yeah. these three yeah exactly <laughs> this is what we do um, um, so the next game we played was I think Sierra West Sierra West yeah, yeah. that's what we played um, I'm baffled by that game it took me so maybe it's our fault because we looked at the rules and there's the first the first way to play and it's like the intro game and it's the apples and matt and i looked at each other and went nah (laughs) and threw that away and we went straight to like the third hardest variant and then immediately i was like there are too many rules and this is complicated and hard (laughs) <laughs> so, but that might be my fault. But I, I thought it was fine when I thought about it. I'd definitely play it again. Although it'll mini games and novelties and innovations were interesting. I think it's the rare game that's less than the sum of its parts. Um, I really didn't like the moving your guy around up the mountain. I think it doesn't pass Brandon's test of any time you're moving a guy around to deliver things or pick up things. The game kind of isn't fun. Mm-hmm. But everything else about it was actually quite cool. But what was my overall impression of the game? It's kind of meh. You know what I mean? There aren't a lot of decisions for the cards you slot up top. Um, it's a lot of just calculations for calculation's sake. You can kind of do whatever you want. Uh, the trapping was supposed to be cool. There's five different types of animals, and it's really interactive. It has to do with your left and right neighbor. Um, but it actually ends up kind of falling flat because it's so easy to just flip over all five animals really mm-hmm. fast. Yeah, I... Um... The game has a deck building element. Actually, that's maybe what I did not like so much mm, to Matt's too. point. Sometimes the deck building element creates like a kind of a painful decision because you pick up cards that are kind of arguably probably better, I'd say, than your starting cards. And sometimes you draw them all the, at the same time. So you're kind of like, oh crap, what do I play now? And sometimes you actually draw your starting cards together. And then you're kind of like, well, it's the exact same card copy except like this resource is different and maybe I don't care because there's actually spaces where you can spend any resource so like whatever mm-hmm. like there's not a decision there so I think the game is really cool except the main thing being deck building kind of well the way you get actions mm-hmm. is kind of questionable and what would you mind. say you only go through your deck probably twice yes right? we went I was thinking yeah. we went through our decks exactly twice mm-hmm. so you kind of um, 
there is a variant, actually, an official variant to play with like four cards, which might actually make you go through your deck twice and a half, I guess, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe. Uh, that might be an interesting uh, uh, element to explore. But I know Brandon was actually interested a, a while ago, and I kind of discouraged him from, <laughs> from buying the game. I don't know if that's a, a good idea, but it's actually a pretty cool game. I kind of expected it to be less than what it was. It was pretty cool. I'd actually say it's a little bit, uh, speaking of long games today, I think it was a little bit shorter than I expected. Mm-hmm. I was I actually kind of wanted to use my deck more and like do more mm-hmm. powerful For combos sure. or something. It kind of like just ended. I was like, okay, it's over now. And yeah. So the main reason why I was interested in it, because I thought that it was like five kind of modulars that you could mix and match. And it was more like you can play kind of the lesser version or you can ramp it up and put everything in and have this big grandiose game. When you were talking about it before, uh, you let me know that it's just five different games. Yeah, it's And that became games. less interesting to me because, like, I don't know, it's almost in the territory of campaign-style games where it's like, am I going to play all those five? Especially if I play one and I'm, like, disappointed by it, what's going to encourage me to go to the next and the next and the next, hoping that it'll be better? Um, I don't know. It, it, it's better than a campaign because it's like you don't have to play with the same players. But to me, it's like it grants the same problem of like, uh, am I going to have time to like try out everything in the game box? And is it that interesting to try out everything? I think Snowdonia does that better, right? Mm-hmm. It has 18 campaigns, which feel more newer and differenter than each other. Then I think this one, you're just collecting red apples and green apples or red fish, black fish, and white fish for the module we played. And they just have like different values and maybe some slight interactions. Snowdonia, though, the core game stays like the same. There's just little changes that are added to it. With this, it sounds like there's five different games. You have to learn uh, five different games, right? No, no, no you're no, still no, no, walking no. up the mountain. Yeah. Still, you're still still trying to score your railroad track times your three tracks at the end of the game. Yeah, so, no, if yeah. you're scared about different rules, that's actually not very different. There's a page, I think, where the modules are explained, and every module mm-hmm. Was like half a page, I think, or maybe one page, but it's like not bad. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if they're like to Justine's point, like less difficult and more difficult. They might be less interesting and more interesting. <laughs> I think the intro one is uh, kind of less interesting because you're pushing up tracks. But there's, I think, the decisions are kind of still the same, uh, though. To Matt's mm-hmm. point, like collect stuff, collect something else, and go up on different tracks, kind yeah. of. Uh, there are some interesting things though. Uh, there's a module with like bandits. I think there's a die involved. So maybe you roll a die once in a while, <laughs> which is kind of weird in that yeah. game. I don't Ooh. know how it works. But yeah, digging for gold and prospecting for gold and bandits, I think mm-hmm. is one of the modules. It sounded kind of cool. Anyway, it's, um, it's actually, it was a better game than I expected somehow. Well, overall, I think we're all happy with the International Games oh, Day yeah. at the, Event center. I think it's it's really cool. It has like a very small convention feel to it. Mm-hmm. You, you have like the same. You could play with uh, strangers that like have the same love of games that you have. You have this library games that um, offer you uh, an opportunity to play these games you're unsure of. And also for us, like we play at the same um, game store every every time we game. So to like. Being in a different environment is nice, and like we sat by the window the first game yeah. we played. That was, was we nice. like actually saw yeah. sunlight, which is crazy. <laughs> the space of the library is really cool there because it's mm-hmm. kind of um, yeah, it's a cool space. It's nice, like, yeah. It feels really nice, and yeah. the bathroom smelled fine. 
<laughs> it made me actually really excited to try SaltCon this year. I think I want to go to SaltCon. Yeah, and it's the same organizers. And yeah. I think they're they're good people. So, uh, yeah, uh, that was International Games Day. or some thoughts about that. So next up, some games that we've played over the past couple weeks. Um, yeah, so the first game that I played that I want to talk about is Marvel Champions, the card game, a.k.a. Fantasy Flight's new LCG, which is a living card game. If you don't know what a living card game is, it's very simple. You just, you, you could buy the base game of it. Uh, in other LCGs, you might have to buy several base games of it, which is an awful marketing mm-hmm. scheme, in my opinion. Um, with this one, you just can buy the just the base game and have pretty much everything you need to play a four-player game in it. Uh, but what's the LCG part? It's literally kind of a game that's continuously alive because they'll come out with new content like once a month, adding in different things, growing the game. Um, but essentially, it's a just a card game. It's a co-op card game for one to four players. You're playing as the Marvel Universe characters, heroes in particular. Uh, what's in the box? Iron Man, She-Hulk, uh, Captain Marvel, Black Panther, and Spider-Man. And there's three villains in the box, which is Rhino, Claw, and Ultron. And I said those in ascending order as far as difficulty levels go. But you can switch up each villain, their difficulty levels, uh, mix in some harder cards to deal with. Uh, essentially, you're trying to beat up the villain by doing certain things. What's interesting about this game for me is, uh, which I hadn't seen in any other LCG game, but granted I've only played one other LCG game, that's Arkham Horror, and I've only played it solo, but you have an alter ego and you have a hero, and once a turn you get to decide to flip it at any time that you want, so you can actually do hero actions and flip it to your alter ego. Why would you want to do that? Well, because the villain is going to react to you upon what you are. So if you're the hero, he's going to attack you. If you're the alter ego, thematically speaking, you're not around as a hero, so he starts scheming. He starts putting tokens on a scheme, which is like his main thing, his main bad thing that he wants to do. So it's this cool balancing act of, do I have enough hit points to get hit? Or should I work on the scheme? Should I protect the scheme because it's getting close to the tokens overflowing on it? Um, how are you playing cards? You're playing cards by playing by discarding other cards. So there's another kind of balancing act of like, there's good decisions, tough decisions of, man, I want to keep this card, but I need to play this now. I might have to discard it. There's little resources on each card. Sometimes it matters, sometimes it doesn't. But you play cards down, you're either playing them to discard them and have the effect happen, or you're playing them in front of you kind of in engine building to where you can not tap, but exhaust cards, but it's the same thing. You're turning <laughs> cards and having things happen. Um, do you have a question about yeah. it? Yeah. Does it change what you do depending on if you're the hero or the alter ego? Yes. So if you're the hero, you can attack. You can thwart, thwart, which I hated saying during the game, which is taking away uh, scheme tokens. Um you could also defend, but you're not getting attacked unless you're the hero anyway. But you have to exhaust your card, and so you're not using your hero come your next turn. Um, if you're the alter ego, you just heal. You can heal. Okay. 
that's however kind of boring, actually. the cards <laughs> yes know. but can you can you play cards as well though cards oh, you can kind of some cards up. will say if you're the hero do this if you're the alter ego you can do this okay so that it is an important aspect of the game that's actually pretty cool i think yeah. that's a pretty cool <clears throat> idea i haven't seen that really um i i had a great time playing it i think i played it with the right people i played with two other uh people that were interested in playing it and uh, we were all into it, and we won. Um, it was, it wasn't like super easy, but it wasn't super hard either. But we did play like the easiest version to play it. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't take that long. It was like an hour long, but it was like, yeah, like really fun. And I'm kind of like, I'm kind of into it. Like Arkham Horror, I stopped collecting because I'm like, what am I doing? I'm just like building up this collection that's like only going to get played through once. And with this one, like, I'm kind of excited to get the new packs. And it's kind of cool because it just came out. And this is the first time I've ever jumped on board of an LCG right when it releases. With Arkham Horror, I felt kind of intimidated by all the content there was. And I think that was part of why I stopped, too, is, like, I'm never going to catch up. Mm-hmm. And there's stuff still releasing for it. Um, if anybody's curious on what's coming out, they have a uh, Captain America hero pack. Uh, Green Goblin villain pack and then a Ms. Marvel hero pack which I had to look up because I'm like doesn't it come with Ms. Marvel but it's Captain Marvel Captain they're two Marvel, different characters Marvel, yeah. um, They there's no story in this one like a lot of the other ones there was a story element but there's talks about a campaign pack being released that actually has a story Okay. how do you think they're going to ramp up the difficulty with bad guys because with co-op games a lot of times it's just you're it's harder to get lucky enough to beat the bad guy when he gets harder and harder. Have you looked ahead? I have looked ahead. What they do is so you so how the villain works is you have a like a stage one, stage two villain card. So it's two different cards, and they have hit points. And there's this like tracker um, dial, and you put their hit points according to how many players are in. So they're gonna have more hit points with more players. Mm-hmm. And then once you beat that, then you kind of reset the dial to a higher degree and you have to beat him again. Like, he gets mad and he's, like, stronger because of it or something. Um, Also, like, the schemes might be harder. Uh, Yeah, but when you you add in two and three of the villains instead and they're just, their hit points are higher. Okay. Yeah. Uh, This actually sounds fun. I think you're just good at selling games because this sounds, in the abstract, like a type of game I would hate. (laughs) But you're making it sound fun. (laughs) I mean, there's luck of the draw involved, and when the when the villain hits you, he has a basic hit point that he's going to hit to you, but you also flip a card, and on the bottom of the card, there's like these little symbols, and that's his hit, his hit points plus whatever's on the card is what damage he's going to be dealing mm-hmm. to you. So there is luck on that mm-hmm. side of it, too. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's for... I don't know if you guys would like it, to be honest. Yeah. Maybe Justine would like it, but I don't think you guys would like it. Maybe it's like one play to try it. Mm-hmm. might be interesting, but I don't think you would, guys would like it as much as I do. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was really fun. I like the the comic book universe, and it's definitely yeah. more on the side of the comic books than the cinematic universe, which I like a lot. Yeah. Um, and I also like the idea of LCGs of having something you could build upon, right? Like, normally, if we like a game, we may or may not get an expansion. Mm-hmm. If we do, it might be the only expansion we get. This, if you like the game, you could keep adding content yeah. to it, making it more and more interesting. So, um, yeah, like, most positive feelings about Marvel Champions, like, for the game that it is, I think they did the best that they could do. 
Awesome. The game that I played was actually a while ago, but I'll mention it today is King Chocolate. Um, it's kind of, I didn't know what to think about that game. Uh, the art on the box is actually not great, I think, and the art on the tiles is kind of not great. It's a tile laying game, and uh, usually tile laying games are kind of like meh, boring on the lighter side. I actually like Italian games. Uh, when we started playing it, though, I was kind of surprised because it turned out to be this kind of a simulation of kind of like a supply chain, I would say, or just like running a business. Basically, what you're doing in the game is you're producing, what was it, like levels of ingredients and you feed one ingredient to the next ingredient and in the end you make chocolate. I think that's like, that's why it's called King Chocolate. Um, so what you do is you expand the board by placing tiles and then you kind of claim these areas which are very simply kind of production areas. So you start producing the ingredients and you claim it. So you like own that production level of the chain and there's like seven of them which is basically like the seven different colors on the board so uh you give points to people by taking from their area so basically it ends up being this kind of like push-pull inventory system thing where you are pulling from people and if two people own the same resource obviously you can choose who you pull from giving them points uh, so kind of very fascinating um, game. I've thought about it lately, and I think I like a lot of kind of simulation type games. Um, I uh, what, what surprised me about that game is actually I thought it was really cool. And I was like, wow, that's so cool. And I went on BGG and it's like 6.5 or something. It's like really <laughs> yes. bad. I was like, how is this game 6.5? It's so weird. And a lot of the comments, I think, were like, this game is boring and like, I don't know, just things like that. And um it doesn't have great art actually it has like kind of uh, i don't know you you have to check it out but it's like not great the, the graphic design is weird there's like basically the, the areas are numbered and they're numbered by um like i don't know what you call it like uh, they they do that in like prisons or whatever like four vertical lines and one cross mm. those are the that's the number format of the game it's not like arabic numbers it's like lines so there's a lot of like really weird choices and the game is kind of expensive as well. I was expecting it to be like 20 bucks or something. It turned to be like 60, I think, huh. uh, MSRP. I was like, how is this 60 MSRP? This is crazy. It's just like pals and meeples and stuff. But um, anyway, like I say, I think what I liked about it is it's a very interesting like case of it hits on a lot of economic things, which are really cool, like uh, monopolies, like push and pull inventory. Basically, there's actually a very interesting tension in the game of do I waste my action to like push? Because you can also, um, you can you can push or pull cubes to the next level. So it doesn't have to be the person owning the cubes pushing them or the person basically it's a decision and you kind of have to keep the thing moving and sometimes you want your area to be clear so that you can produce and you know like it, it it's got some really really cool ideas in kind of a very short game space and it um, kind of illustrates some uh, economic concepts really well i was kind of surprised how, how cool it is that's actually. cool i've wanted there to be a game with a cool like powerful monopoly mechanism and there kind of hasn't been since like settlers like a 10 you know maybe you're the only one who makes sheep and so people need to come to you for it 
Yeah. Not since then do I remember a game with a cool Monopoly mechanism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In our game, one person had, like, stage four or five, I think, and basically, like, the whole production chain of the game goes through them, and they get points for it. Mm -hmm. And there is a mechanic where you can take over, but it's it's very well illustrated, like... uh, you can you can obviously come in, but you're like the smaller guy, and then you waste an action pulling smaller amount of inventory from the smaller guy. Uh, but people actually started doing it because the the person was like raking in so many points that were like somebody's got to do it, and like collective action, like let's just pull from the small guy. Not from the big guy. <laughs> so anyway, it was it was really like uh, kind of very fascinating in a way. I was like, wow, this is super elegantly designed like really awesome uh, designed by anyone who designed uh, other I things that I might know <laughs> I can't remember Stefan Alexander uh, what else me. what else has he done? I don't, I don't know. know I don't know but anyway yeah, I don't think it's like a famous designer I don't think the publisher is famous the game is really weird and expensive it's Mayfair I, I want to try. Oh, just kidding. Mayfair is. Yeah. I thought it's like a random publisher, but I guess uh, you not. talk about the know. art. There's like no art in it. Yeah, yeah. That... Except the, the player screens, which looks like almost like '70s style <laughs> style children book. Yeah, but it... like the tiles are just like different colors, and there's like there's, one or two circles there's, on the tiles. There's patterns on the cards. Actually, the circles are like counters as well. There's a lot of really strange decisions in that game, as far as like well, the tally math. marks are. Weird. Yeah, it looks like design. Yeah, like like you were saying, like prison, like counting the years. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like I say, I didn't know what to think about it, and it turned to be turned out to be completely different from what I expected as well uh, at the beginning of the game. Because because of the because of the graphic design, I was like, this is some kind of like a weird like light abstract game, game abstract. Yeah, game. it looks two to five abstract game, but there's more to it than that. Yeah, guess, yeah, so. but it turned out to be there's um, more to it than that, and it kind of creates like not even like a, a, a story so much, but you know, like a good abstract game is very like evocative of what you're kind of doing and experiencing in the game. I think, but yeah, a pretty cool surprise, I think. Um, so this week I got to play Lovelace and Babbage. Which is um, a smaller box game, um, and Haristo introduced it to us, and I, he introduced it to us as Math the Game, um, which is very, uh, it, it's, it's accurate, it's Math the board game. Um, so, in the game, you are trying to add and subtract and multiply and divide numbers to make certain, to get certain answers. And those answers are going to give you points and powers and things. It's kind of not even, not rolling right, but it, you have like the pad of paper that you're writing on. Um, I think if you're someone who can't do mental math, you're going to hate this game. It's going to be miserable. But if you, if it sounds kind of fun, it's like the challenges you used to do in elementary school, like here's all these numbers, now make this other number by using all the operations you know. Eh, I thought it was kind of fun. Do you, if you get the answer wrong, do you just not? I mean, how does that work? <laughs> so That's if a there, bug. There's a, thematically, there's you're programming yeah. old computers. Yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> so oh, yeah. how do you know if you got it wrong? Does, so, does somebody else have to check your math? Yeah, I think we so. just trusted each other. Yeah, theoretically, like if something was fishy, we'd say, "Hey, check it." And, no, no yeah. the, the the way the game works is you're encouraged to do calculations fast, so it's a real time game. So like we flip yeah. cards oh. and we start doing it like really fast. You and don't write down the answer. You, if you do go, if you if you think it's wrong. Like you. 
No, you well, you write down what you think you're writing down, and then you grab a token from the middle, and there's a sand timer that flips, and other people are encouraged to do do it faster yeah. as well. And then at the end, we slowly go through what we actually wrote down, and we actually execute it, and yeah. that that's where at you that probably are going to see check. mistakes because yeah. oh, okay. that that happens like very slowly, and you can clearly see if you made like a horrible mistake, and that's when you can kind of like debug or and whatever, you kind which of check I thought everybody's. was hilarious. But the the funny thing in that game is actually like. Speak about like boring themes. You play as the computer, I think. Or yeah, I you're the you're, computer. Yeah, like you're yeah. literally doing the calculations. It's kind of <laughs> it's kind of hilarious. I don't know. It's uh, speaking of which, by the way, there there used to be departments like in NASA and stuff uh, called like computing departments with computers, and the computers were people. Like the yeah. people were the mm. computers. Oh, what are you and on that's, computer? <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah. That yeah. no, yeah, that was a job. Computer. You. So yeah. I, I think that's what you're doing in the game. Is like you're pretending you're in like one of those departments, and you're actually. What is this? What, what decade is this supposed to take place in? Because so, I remember in the cars, like they were like 1910s. Yeah. So this is so. Do we we didn't have computers back uh, then. No, no, it's like 1840, We definitely didn't have computers so, back then. Charles Babbage, who's one of the namesakes of the game, created the plans for a mechanical computer. So he had the plans for what would be a theoretical mechanical computer that you could pop numbers in and it would compute for you. Mechanical meaning like metal gears as yeah. opposed to not oh, transistors, not, not what we yeah. have now. Yep. Um, but they didn't have the technology to make it work. Ada Lovelace was a programmer, programmer in quotation marks for I think she worked with Charles Babbage to um, create programs for this theoretical computer that they came up with. Um, but no one at that point had the technology to create uh, his design. But nowadays there's like m- multiple museums have gone and used his plans to create a functional computer that's very it's all mechanical i think there's like two in the world i actually looked it up yeah one is yeah. in england in london somewhere i think or it's actually a really cool theme it's yeah. by scott elms and i guess gameland games turned down his uh tiny epic programming game and then so he did this instead yeah <laughs> there was a tiny epic programming game like robots no i meant no, tiny epic like, programming yeah. oh yeah. Yeah. Tiny yeah. Epic. oh my gosh that's hilarious actually just, no that's not that's not the truth <laughs> i'm just saying because like, it is like almost that size of a game right yeah. tiny epic computer yeah, tiny yeah. Epic computer. yeah. 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 well and then just coming from you know a person in like a woman in math education it's really cool to see the women who are involved in this be recognized because so often it's you know you hear about charles babbage you hear about um oh what's the guy benedict cumberbatch played him alan turing yep but you never hear about ada lovelace or grace hopper or these people who like made our modern day computing possible so it was cool to see Ada Lovelace featured in a game. For sure. They weren't getting paid enough, though. They weren't getting paid as much. Oh, no. <laughs> I almost always love real time when you're the first one done and you have to grab something really fast. Like, mixing a game with Not So Fast, it's great. It's great in that game. It's great in Decrypto. It's great in Not So Fast. It's good in Steam Park. Um, what's that space one? Pictomania. Uh, oh, in Pictomania, too. Yeah. Space one, where you have to grab something. Oh, oh Galaxy yeah. Truck. Galaxy Truck. Oh, yeah. it's right there, too. Yeah. Yeah, I always like that mechanism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gives me that's cool. That, that sounds like... <laughs> yeah. I didn't know it's based them. on like, some like actual history. I usually yeah. like that, and it, it sounds like a cool theme. Yeah, I, I, I had try. fun with it, but it's kind of anxiety-inducing, like yeah. speed math. 
It's kind of yeah. like, oh, I gotta make the calculation happen before the timer runs out. I don't know. Yeah. It's um, designed how, for... How, like, is it like addition, subtraction, yeah. also multiplication yeah. and division? Yeah. So you've got addition, subtraction, multiplication, division. So fractions? Is there, There's like no how fractions. You round down if there's a fraction. Yeah. Okay. Drop the remainder around there. Um, there are tiles that will let you swap the digits. So 89 becomes 98. There are tiles that you set to a certain digit. There, are, It's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Nice. It's definitely designed for the common core's generation of... Uh, funny mention in the rulebook, by the for the rulebook of that game, by the way. I don't know if you read examples, but all the examples are wrong. Like every single example is really, really. You wrong. mean they're just saying like fifteen plus fifteen equals forty? Yes, exactly. Well, and that's hilarious. Uh, it's got to be know, an Easter egg. I don't know if they did it on purpose, but there was Uh-oh. a PGG thread about it, it and has people to be are like, an and people are like, this is like this was not proofread, and like someone posted the link to an article called like uh, the the lost art of proofreading. <laughs> <laughs> It was probably a joke, right? Yeah. Was probably like doing it. I don't think it's a joke. I think it's a Kickstarter game, and they kind of like rush the rulebook or like. It's, oh, it's so just... they're doing examples without worrying about if the solution is right because it's not like relevant to yeah, the rules. Yeah, right? yeah, I think I that's see. what they were doing. Is just like uh, punching funny. in random numbers because who cares? Just to illustrate the concept. They're like, we don't have time to actually do math, but yeah. Even though we're gonna make you do math really fast. So, the, so if you think you're crazy by looking at the examples, you're not crazy. They're just all wrong, which is funny in a math game, especially. Um, I revisited a couple games this week at Clans of Caledonia and Almond Ray. Um, I kind of soured, lost some esteem for both of them. Mm. One, because I think it's too new, and one, because I think it's too old. <laughs> so first, Almond Ray, I played and everybody had played before. So we all kind of just went for the same strategy, like get the pyramids, you know. I think you. Th- oh. And that's Almond Ray. That's Almond Ray. Yeah. Maybe you're thinking of Raw. Yeah. I was getting those confused yeah. in my head too just now. Raw Ray. Okay, so um, it's has a really tight scoring, right? So points mean a lot, and I think it was designed long ago when it was okay to top deck a lot more, um, because a lot of times when you're buying a card, it's either really good and you're going to get three points or it's useless and you're going to turn it in for one dollar i think the game playing community law doesn't tolerate that anymore and if Kenizia were to design it today he would do something else there'd be a card river or something you wouldn't just top deck it and hope it's worth three points also that game needs variable turn order i think that would have it if it was designed today mm-hmm. because one of the most important tiebreakers is just oh, who's closer to the left of starting player if you're tied for number of pyramids it's just player order and, you know, if the person to your right did starting player, then, hey, congratulations, you win the game now. Oh, I see, yeah, yeah. So if that game were designed in 2015, I think it would be better. Uh, then the other one I think is too new is Clans of Caledonia. I think it, uh, it kind of released itself before it balanced all the factions. So their idea is, oh, hey, play with this, submit your results to the internet, and then we'll fix the factions later which is not something that would have been tolerated had it been designed five years earlier. Uh, <laughs> Clans of Caledonia. 
I'm actually laughing okay. because we're about to play Tapestry where it's exactly the same. <laughs> the factions are completely like BS, I think, some of them. And Jamie Segmeyer is like, well, we'll just fix them later. Submit your results here. Who won and by how much? That He literally has like a link yeah. to, on his website to submit who won and by how much so that he can like balance the factions later or something. That's awful. Mm-hmm. That's like... <laughs> That's like making people pay to play test your game. Pretty much, yeah. And but, if it was um, designed in 2015, they wouldn't have done that. <laughs> with clans, I'm wondering if it's a long-term thing, because I know that the, the designers have the decision to make of, like, do I make this balance for the first yeah. couple plays, or do I make it long-term balance where people might think that certain factions are OP because they played it the first mm-hmm. game only, and then you figure out as you go along playing more and more that... All the factions are balanced. You just have to play them in a particular way. Yes, which happened to its kind of its first ancestor, which is Terra Mystica. Right. And you know, as we played and played, different factions became better and worse. But that's not really what's going on in clans. The most infamous clan in clans of Caledonia is Milk Clan. It's just like sell milk for eight dollars a bunch of times and win. First order playtesting would have edited that out. They didn't need a thousand people on the internet to come email them that oh the milk clan is OP. It's going to stay OP throughout the game space. Um, and I think it also suffers from being designed after Terra Mystica because it kind of tried to copy little bits of it. And the rules were clunkier than I remember. I had a hard time picking it back up after having not played it for a year. Hmm. That's actually weird because I remember all the rules, even the weird one where like across the river you don't share. Uh, but maybe it's because I, like I thought it at SaltCon and stuff. But yeah. yeah, that's probably why. I couldn't remember like across the river and stuff. And maybe it's because I'm so programmed for Terra Mystica, leeching and stuff. I couldn't remember when you build by somebody who gets to buy what for how much and why you would even do that. Yeah, <laughs> it definitely hurt me playing Terra Mystica first over and over mm-hmm. again because yeah. I try to take over as many areas as I could. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm doing awesome and not at all. Uh, but I like that aspect of it. Um, your complaints about Amure are, com- I think, completely true. But I just, yep. for some reason, I really like that game. Especially at five, I'll only play it at five because uh, I've played it at three and four, and mm-hmm. some territories don't come out. And that just sucks in a strategy game of like, when is this going to come out? You yeah. Know? yeah. The order in which they come out, too, is very important. And sometimes we laugh at certain situations, which is kind of fun, even yeah. though it is kind of detrimental to the game. But at five players, for something that's semi-serious, I would call it semi-serious game, mm-hmm. I think it's really fun at five. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. No, I, I agree about uh, everything that Matt said, actually, about it. Uh, the 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 first player tiebreaker I thought was kind of hilarious and it doesn't bother me that much. The cards are really bad. They mm-hmm. can be really bad, especially towards the end of the game. I feel like it's with the same with Roll and Rights uh, to some degree. You're hoping for like something miraculous. Some thing, right? Yeah, yeah, some miraculous endgame thing to be top-decked mm-hmm. for you and it might and it might give you a lot of points or you might get complete trash and completely waste your time. Yeah, you so get like a, like, a skip, skip the auction thing and like, <laughs> you're like, we're not going to have an auction. Yes. Yeah. 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 No, Maybe it, different decks yeah. would be good for like mm-hmm. for the different rounds yeah. or eras. I mean, obviously, it would say like don't do that action towards the end of the game. But I mean, like yeah. if someone does it and they get lucky, they yeah. get a benefit. So yeah. like you should do yeah. that action towards the end of the game, even if it's bad for you. Um, but it's a cool game. To Brandon's point, I actually enjoy playing it. It's mm-hmm. awesome. 
Yeah, I just don't like it as much as I did. I thought they were both like top tier games. I think they're like next tier games. Yeah, yeah. I've always thought that one right, was yeah. kind of like, like Brandon says, like not so serious. Yeah, game. it's yeah. it's fine, but like don't take it too seriously. Speaking of not so serious, uh, we all played this, so we could all kind of touch base yeah. on it. Um, it's called Caruso Crew. Um, it's a graphic novel adventure game. If you don't know what a graphic novel is. Where have you been? Uh, it's just like a thick comic book. Yeah. Um, you're, you literally, everybody has a, a graphic novel in their hand. Um, they also have a particular graphic novel in hand, depending on what character you choose. I don't remember all the names, but like mm-hmm. I was Netta and I was tall and Matt was strong and Justine could talk to animals yeah. and Risto was the queen of riddles. And <laughs> they're, they're, they're the same exact book as far as pictures and, and dialogue goes. However, there's numbers on it, and this will this is like a choose-your-own-adventure style game where you can go to the right and go to page 182, or you can go to the left and go to page 85, and you all kind of explore together, so you're all kind of flipping through these pages and making these decisions together. However, you'll come across a number sometimes um, that you could only see. Like, I was tall, so maybe I see like a bucket that's high up, and I'm like, hey, I see this bucket, and everyone else is like, no. So you alone kind of explore it. Or Justine could talk to a cat that was sitting there, right? That, yeah. Like, we don't see a number on it, but she does. You right. explore that on your right. own, and it will tell you that you're locked into a puzzle by yourself or that you can communicate with your teammates and you all solve it together. So it's kind of a puzzly aspect, too. Um, I don't think there's a definitive ending. I think you go in, you collect certain things. You decide, do I want to do rubies, which is easier, pearls, or statuettes? Which kind of ramps up the difficulty level, but I think you're just collecting as much as you can and then getting out, or not even getting out, maybe just the day's end. That's the that's the yeah. timer on it. You'll see on the page like a little sun, and you'll cross out a day. When your days are up, you flip to a certain page, and they're like, hey, thanks for this collecting this stuff for me. What's cool about it that I didn't know was that your points get translated to gold. And the gold can be used to buy things for your next playthrough. We only explored one island. The whole game was one island. And there's like five islands in the mm-hmm. game. And there's blank islands too. I, I think w- we might end up on the blank islands if we play more and more. That's what I was yeah. thinking. There's one populated with really mean monkeys that tell you to go away. I wonder <laughs> yeah. if you can get by them somehow. Yeah, 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 with certain items, right? So, like, that aspect of it was really cool. I think there's a lot of replayability besides, like, switching up the characters because they're a little bit asymmetric, um, but also, like, going and buying equipment. Unfortunately, the rules are really vague. There's only, like, yeah. one page of rules. It doesn't tell you a lot. There's certain symbols that we were seeing in the pages that we had no idea what it was about, and the rules don't specify it at all maybe we figure that out later of playing it. Also, it was vague of when we buy stuff because it told us you can buy now buy stuff from this page. Are we supposed to find that page on the next adventure or can we buy stuff now to use at the start of the adventure? Because if we could, that would be really cool. Yeah. Because there's particular pages that say, like, if you have a whistle, this is where you guys can all split up. Or if you have a grappling hook, you can use this. Otherwise, go back to the page. So you kind of know, like, let's buy a grappling hook and go back and explore that island. Or you could go to a completely new island and have a new game. Um, I really thought it, for what it was, was really neat, really kind of fun. I think it's aimed maybe towards, uh, like, families. However, 
some of the puzzles aren't as, as intuitive as they maybe should be for families. Or they're not intuitive yeah, yeah. hard puzzles. I was going to say they had some really hard puzzles. Uh, the, I have no idea how, like, a 10-year-old could solve some <laughs> yeah. of those puzzles. But, I mean, obviously, that's when you get help. I thought the game was pretty cool, actually. I, a very cool concept, very cool execution. comes with this, like, super thick... Uh, the books, the book, the comics you look at are super thick and thick and very well drawn. I think uh, that's one of the huge benefits of the game. Is I think the art is actually really good. It's very so fitting it's, for the game. It's yeah. actually like, it's very fitting for the game and it's very like enjoyable to actually uh, look at, which is very important for a game of that kind because that's all you're doing is you're trying to like find elements and look at um, mm-hmm. hidden look for hidden things. Yeah, pretty cool. Uh, yeah, to Brandon's point, I think uh, the rules were kind of weird. Especially yeah. what bothered me also is like it wasn't clear when we're to get, when we should be together and when someone can do something alone. Sometimes yeah. it was clear, sometimes it wasn't so clear. So I don't know if um, yeah, a little bit. I understand what they were doing is they were trying to just like make it kind of open, do whatever mm-hmm. kind of you want, mm-hmm. interpret however you want, kind of a concept. I would have liked maybe a little bit more definition there, but uh, yeah. overall it was very very kind of unique. There's like definitely, I think, kind of no game like that that I can think of. Maybe unlocks or something in a way, but not really, not really. The asymmetric stuff is really kind of fascinating that one person can see and do something in the same scene as other people at the same time. Um, I wouldn't say fascinating because like I see a number on a concrete wall. I'm like, hey guys, should we smash it? You guys aren't going to be like, no, don't smash that. We're you're just going to smash it. We so might it's kind now of... though. We might now. <laughs> you smash some things that I think like ruined. Did I over smash? Did I over smash? Yeah. <laughs> so I think there is decisions to make whether or not you do the thing you see. But is Justine ever going to not talk to the cat? Justine's yes. always going to talk yeah, to the cat. True. I will never talk to that crab again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, maybe it was. Do you but I'm excited that? for more games like to do this hour. now that this innovation has happened i'm excited to get yeah. so there is other games. games like it they're called graphic novel adventures this is the first that has multiplayer so a lot of them are just solo you just go through and i think you write in the graphic novels themselves mm-hmm. i haven't played any of them but i've looked at them yeah and i, and think, I think you write in them and the puzzles are writing in them and this you don't you don't mess up the book at all um it does come with like one kind of player sheet that i that encourages you it says in it to to like make copies of this so I made copies and um, laminated it. And the map, which you don't really have to draw on at all, you could just give reference for right here. But I laminated that too so we can kind of mark where we have gone and whatnot. But it's not really not necessary. But um, that, So it's the only one that is multiplayer. Yeah. The puzzles, if they're hard, the cool thing about it, I think, for playing with children is you can back out. You're not stuck in it. You yeah. could just... It's usually just a... Take a penalty. You just... You take a day. You take yeah. a day or something and, and take off. So if, like, a kid is struggling with it, you could just mark off a day and just leave. They were good puzzles, though. They yeah. weren't nonsense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they were I good. They I mean, there was one puzzle that Justine had that we actually completed, and it made sense, but it took us a while to kind of get and it. And we cheated. And there was two puzzles in which, like, one puzzle I did, we definitely knew the first two numbers, but the last number were like, how do we get that? And yeah. with Christos, he did it alone, but I don't know. You're kind of struggling with it. Uh, I we actually never solved that puzzle. Uh, Matt looked up the solution 
cheated some PG. Later, I'm not sure if I understand the solution. I kind of want to look at it again, maybe, <laughs> I was... if we play that game again. Now, what I was going to say is there's a very questionable, speaking of puzzles, design decision. Um, Justine got sent on her own to, like, this silent thing because she talked to the wrong animal or whatever. <laughs> anyway, the funny thing is she was supposed to solve a puzzle alone completely. Like, completely alone, mm-hmm. I think, is yeah. what the theme was yeah. telling you to do so it's kind of an awkward i mean cool idea but kind of awkward design decision to like send off a person alone and have them struggle alone with a puzzle while the three of us kind of like chill out and like cool i guess we get to sit there while justine solves the puzzle and like the puzzle is actually really really difficult and she couldn't figure it out and we're just like okay so, like, yeah. so we... I, on further reflection i think i was supposed to like be in my own little world and solving the puzzle while you guys were continuing on because uh, after i, I solved so. i don't know about that because i don't think so either it's a little bit yeah it, it, yeah I think you kind of need to be together in scenes, so I don't think we could just leave. Well, I think af- that's weird to leave without you. And anyway, but yeah. after the puzzle, it said I could either, if I had the whistle, I could join you exactly where you were, or I had to go to another spot if I didn't have the whistle oh. and wait for you to get there. Oh, okay, okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's so what you did. We yeah, it. we were trying to find. Because I didn't yeah, have the whistle. Right. Um, there was puzzles that say like. Um, you have to solve this by your, by yourself. Everyone else has to wait at page this number. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, there but, is situations yeah. where there is, but that wasn't one of them. Yeah. So, I think I was supposed to be struggling with it myself, <laughs> and you guys were supposed to be continuing on with the story. Okay. Maybe we just did it wrong then. I don't know. Yeah. I'd like to play it again, but play it right, because I think we made lots of... Yeah. yeah I also games. think through the collection thing, you pick what you collect, and I think you only collect those things. Mm-hmm. We were collecting rubies and other things. Uh, statuettes and pearls. I think you just choose one. I yeah. see. So I think we got a higher score than than, than we should have. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And I think as far as like who can go where, I think if you see that number alone, you go by yourself. Otherwise, you're always moving together. Yeah. Um, again, that's like the only knock on the game I have is the rules are a little vague and it could be a little confusing, especially yeah. for like the target audience for this game, like maybe they don't care as much as we do. Like, we're like, are we playing this right? We're very concerned about that all the yeah. time. Mm-hmm. And I think families aren't. They just kind yeah. of open sandbox. They play and how they play, want to yeah. play. Yep. So, But, I, yeah, I thought it was really cool for what it was. And uh, I'm actually going to gift this game. Not my copy. I'm going to keep my copy. But I'm going to buy another copy to gift it to somebody because I think it's, like, a great cool. gift. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. I think it's a pretty cool game, actually. Speaking of which, uh, I feel like we should talk about it. Monochrome Inc. Oh, uh, everyone played uh, Monochrome Inc. together. It's Adventure a, games. It's Cosmos. Yeah. A new line yeah. of uh, story-driven games. Like, they took the kind of the exit series games and took out the puzzle uh, kind of aspects and added, and made it a more of a no, that's storytelling. What was, that's what I was going to talk about. Is actually, my expectations uh, just by uh, just reading stuff online was like people are mentioning like the word exit. People are mentioning the word unlock. I don't know if it's like a successor to anything, really. I think it's kind of just a game on its own. It's published by Cosmos. That's about it. That's the. I think that's the only connection. Uh, I think people were expecting it to be like. Yeah, because I think I almost went in with the expectation that it's going to be kind of like an exit or something, or maybe like an unlock, and it's kind of not at all Mm -hmm. like an exit or unlock. I think it's just like a game. And that's the thing is, uh, I'm not sure if it's even a game, but... um, all right, so, yeah, I don't know. Obviously, I think the general consensus, no one kind of liked it. Uh, we can talk about why, but it's a 
point-and-click game, really, is what it mm -hmm. is, if, if it's a game. Um, you're exploring a building, and you find stuff, and you activate things, and that's the game. I mean, it obviously has a story. Um, I don't know. What did you guys just the say The story, <laughs> I don't think... We didn't finish it, but I don't think there's going to be an M. Night Shyamalan twist at the end. I think two frames in, we knew the whole arc of the story. There's this substance that this evil corporation is making, and it's addicting. Do you think that they were going to do anything else besides that? Or are we just going to find more and more diary yeah, it, entries of, oh, I love Rainbow. It's very cliche. Give me more Rainbow. Spoilers. It's very cliche. I oh, think. um, so far. let's go ahead and spoil it and not recommend it. Like, don't, don't play it. <laughs> I don't think we should spoil it purposefully, but... Nah. No, but don't I agree it. with Matt, don't play it. Yeah. Um, I mean, gosh, it's only our opinion, so if you have interest in it, play it, but yeah. I am, like, really close to just, it's like, It's not a game, so you can't it. play it. <laughs> no, it's okay. Well, the game sucks, okay? The game sucks. Uh, what sucks about it? Actually, I was thinking, like, why does this suck? I think it sucks because the story is all reading. It's entirely reading. Uh, what are some other games of the same similar concept? Actually, what the, the game Brandon just talked about, that's kind of a similar concept. Yeah. Time Story is a similar concept. Yeah. Why are those games fun? I think they're fun because like the story is given to you by pictures or new locations or like just things that like develop the story. It feels like in Monochrome Inc., you're just like moving along cards and you're just reading and reading and reading and reading. Uh -huh. Then it's fine that it's reading, but you're reading to each other. And like the, the other element actually that's missing in Monochrome Inc. is like there's no pressure. There's literally no pressure. You can do whatever you want and there's no pressure. In time stories, there's a time pressure. So every action you take kind of wastes your time. In uh, Brandon's game, there's also time pressure actually, like the sun thing. So mm -hmm. like you, you, you kind of feel like you need to accomplish something by a certain time. In Monochromic, you're just like, just reading. And like, it's basically like reading a book to each other. That's what it mm -hmm. felt like, actually, is reading a book to each other. So if that's fun for you, then I think you might like it. But it's basically just reading and reading and reading. And the, the, the puzzles, there's no puzzles. There's like... The, it's obvious. The, the puzzle is usually obvious or just kind of like feed this into this and like yay and yeah. Well, there is pressure because as you're going around and doing stuff, you're collecting these handicaps. <laughs> and like it got to the point, like I was finally done with the game when I looked at my character and like I couldn't interact with half the stuff because the, the corporation knew my face, knew my fingerprints, knew my voice, and my foot had burned off. So I couldn't, so you couldn't move do by yourself. Anything. Yeah. No, that was a terrible design, design decision. And so I'm just, just sitting there and like... They they basically have these things that you cannot do. Handicaps. Handicaps, called, yeah. basically. And how are they given to you? Well, kind of randomly. By making by bad failing, decisions. By making bad decisions earlier. What does this do? You kind of start, like, not being able to do anything, actually. And you kind of... the kind of slowly, like, takes you out of the game, which is kind of yeah, funny. It's, it's like player elimination. Progressive player elimination. If Justine had gotten that one last handicap, she would have been worse than player elimination. She couldn't do anything, but she wasn't allowed to at least quit. Go get yeah, a sandwich. She would just be walking around impotent. Yeah, yeah. That's just, it's like, actually so... 
weird. I couldn't walk around. I had to have people carry me. My foot was gone. Um, So, yeah, not having a time element thing is really bad because there's numbers on the board and there's nothing stopping you from doing every single one of them and it feels monotonous. Like, you're just like, what? There's no decision of like, Nah, we don't have enough time. Let's not go here. Let's go to the important spots. We literally, like, made every location obsolete by going to every single one of them almost in order and just reading and reading and reading. There's an elevator, but why? Yeah, (laughs) You take an elevator, and it doesn't take up any of your turn. You could take the elevator to different floors. You could even take an elevator to a different floor and then take another elevator to a a different elevator to a different side of the board. But there's, like, no reason for it at all. I mean, they have, like, attempts to tie it into the story. There's a thing where, like, you go in a room and, like, if there's someone in the elevator, read this entry or whatever. Oh, yeah. But, like... When are you uh, over in the elevator? It's just, like, the, the why are there even rules? Like, why not just, like... <laughs> th- that's actually what I felt like when playing the game. Like, why does this have rules? You just do whatever you want and read the numbers. And I think you'd, you'd, you'd have just as much fun by just... Reading the numbers and doing the things and like who cares about like movements and like mm-hmm. if you end in the elevator you waste your action and like it's just like why is the why are there rules basically? Yeah. It well in a way it was really restricting. You said there were no puzzles, it actually had like a negative puzzle value. And like in unlock and stuff, every once in a while you have an idea of, Oh, this chest is locked, why don't we use a lighter to set it on fire? And you try that combo and it just didn't register, oh it's not a thing, okay, we continue. In this game, it acknowledges that that would be an interesting thing to do, and then it says no. Like, if you want to fill your water bottle with acid, the game says, hmm, better not do that. You might get acid on your shoes or something. Like, they thought of that combo, and then don't let you. If you want to try and attack a guy with a scalpel, it's like, hmm, better not do that. And so, like, (laughs) if you're going to try... Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're trying to go for interesting things, it just, like, stifles you. Yeah, and I mean, the the, obviously, the biggest comparison is old point-and-click adventures. And I think they have the same thing. Like, sometimes you think of something cool, but the game's like, well... can't make sense of that or whatever. <laughs> so yeah, I can see the parallels. But there, this game they can't did possibly. think of it and say yeah. no. Well, if I feel like it got to the point, honestly, where we were like, okay, so we're here. There's a chair. Um, okay, let's line up the items and let's just okay, uh, pool scooper in the chair. Nope, lighter in the chair. Nope, <laughs> <laughs> like just nonsensical because there's no like Brandon said, yeah. there's no time limit. So it's just like playing an RPG with a really bad DM. Yeah, no, I'm, I, the fun, the surprising thing for me was actually the game is rated actually still pretty highly. I looked at it yesterday uh, on BG and uh, people like uh, Game Boy Geek, I think Brandon was saying Dice Tower actually had like pretty positive opinions, I think, about the game. And like it kind of makes me think like, I don't know, what's, uh, what's happening there? Like, I don't know, it's weird. Yeah, are we missing something? So. Because like, the, it, like, honestly, like... When we set up to play, and this was our Fristo se- and I's second play, your guys' first play, you guys were kind of excited about it. Fristo yeah. was curious, and I was just like <laughs> defeated, just like, oh, <laughs> we want to play this again. And I checked out, man, and, I, and you guys were taking my turns for me. So yeah. I was like, just play for me. <laughs> I was done. I was reading another I, rule book. Like, yeah. I actually borrowed the game. I'm going to try it on my own. Maybe it's actually going to be fun on your own because then you don't care about like 
uh, a lot of things that are, I think, badly designed for multiplayer play, like the restrictions, like someone's taken out of the game, and like. So that's what I was like, thinking. Is the only saving grace might be that it might be okay mm-hmm. solo, but really because there's no real game there, I'd rather just read a book. Yeah, that's what I expect. Is kind of like I kind of treat it as probably like reading a book is what I'm kind of expecting it to feel like. So, and the fact that I was the one that after Brandon checked out, I think we made it like two more rounds, and I was like, I'm done, guys. And I don't usually get done <laughs> with games like this. <laughs> like I'm usually like into the story. I want to find out the mystery. It's kind of cool. But this is the first time I think I've ever looked at a game and like I don't want to play anymore. <laughs> yeah. I think I was the one that was like, okay, we're cleaning up. I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm bored. <laughs> Uh, okay, so uh, Barrage is a one-to-four-player game by Simone Luciani, who has a high pedigree with us. <clears throat> it's about building dams to create energy in an alternate universe? Yeah, mm-hmm. alternate history. Yeah, alternate yeah. history. Um, yeah, you're building dams and powerhouses, and it's uh, worker placement, as well as um, kind of an interesting resource management game as well. <laughs> Uh, which we'll get into, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, so I guess we should start by talking about some pros, right? So mm-hmm. um, I think this is one of the first Simone Luciani games that actually have thematic ties for me. I thought that the theme actually came through very well. Mm-hmm. What you're doing in the game, you're CEOs of a company that's trying to create power by using water, and how are you doing that by using dams that are, and the dams are carrying your water to like your powerhouses. Are they called powerhouses? Yes. Uh, yes yeah. Yes. And you have to have like these three elements in play to be able to create power, and power is going to push you up on a track, which could allow you possibilities for scoring. Um, Kind of a very involved game, but for me, the theme came through very well. Yeah. Like, I felt like that was happening. I'm building dams, and I'm thinking about these problems that maybe a CEO of this type of company would be thinking about. Did you guys think the thematic ties were oh, there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the thematic ties work well. Um, I actually have the theme as kind of a small con because I... Don't think it was necessary really to have like an alternate universe thing. I would have actually preferred like you're a construction company, you're making dams. Like why is oh, just it, like real why are there Tesla coils and like mechs mixing up the cement and you're like, right. You're what, right. What the crap? <laughs> like why why? Just have like a construction company. I think they thought like the like you know, advertising a game is like oh, you're a construction company, you're making dams. Yeah. And, and it sounds less appealing. Sounds kinda of less appealing yeah. boring. But actually it would would have liked that maybe better than like, ooh, there's like these spooky, like weird looking mysterious people and like Nikola Tesla is in there somewhere maybe or something. So they could have, mm-hmm. they like, could have actually maybe taught you a little bit about construction along the way. <laughs> yeah, <I don't> <laughs> yeah history of construction, history of mixing cement. How do you make cement? Yeah. <laughs> the mechs I actually have as a, a, a con as well, like they're little tiny mechs. And I would have preferred cubes. Yeah. And maybe the and, retail yeah. version comes with cubes. And I'm I, not sure. I think they were going for a theme there. Like, the I'm only so reason mad. they're weird mechs is, I think, because they thought, like, whoa, we're going to make the theme come across by making mechs instead yeah. of cubes. And, like, why? But Just they feel like shovels and bags of concrete. Yeah. And so, so the theme does come across very well. You well, you do feel like you're building a dam and like generating power. I think pretty well. Uh, I, is it necessary to have like an alternate history Tesla coil? Cool, whatever. I'm not sure about that. Yeah. So the mechs, 
are building certain things for you and certain mechs or certain combination of mechs can build certain things. You put them on a wheel and you slide in. So you drop them in on this wheel and you slide in the thing you're building and then you move the wheel. You turn the wheel to the left and then you're not going to get those back until your wheel comes all the way back around. So that's an innovation to the game that I think was really yeah. interesting and cool. You're never really spending resources. You can, for kind of more powerful actions, discard resources to gain this kind of thing. But for the most part, if you're building things, using them, you're going to get them back. And there's this kind of really cool time element of, like, I need to push my wheel to get these mechs back. And I really enjoyed that aspect of the game. The yeah, wheel yeah, yeah. was cool. Um, some complaints about the wheel was that it doesn't turn very good. or Yeah. I didn't experience That's that in this issues. copy of it. But... Uh, component I issues, I think the wheels are starting to fall apart, actually, the third time we play it, so played it or whatever. The first time I was like, eh, I don't know what people are complaining about. Uh, yeah. They're complaining about warps and stuff, but Justine and Matt's game didn't really have warps. Mm -hmm. So that's fine. Uh, but they are now, I think, starting to like slowly come apart more and mm -hmm. more. Uh, there are also not enough mechs, speaking of components, um, yeah. to play comfortably. Uh, you have to kind of ask people to exchange for the smaller currencies uh, later on in the game, which I thought was kind of just kind of annoying. But. And they should have thought of that. At any given time, there's a ton of mechs on cooldown all around other people's wheels, so like give people more than like six each. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and also the components, obviously, I think we've touched on it previously, like the 3D board and the foam fiasco thing, and I don't know. In a Kickstarter segment, yeah. So, up on that. Stuff, yeah. <clears throat> so I like the regular board that the retail version yeah. is going to come with. Yeah, I think it's It fun. has the, what do you call it, uh, that's like the shiny uh, parts of the UV? board? They call screen, it UV. Screen, oh, UV. Oh, they call it UV? I don't know that that's the, the, so the retail UV. version's going to come with that, though. The 3D board doesn't have that, right? Mm -hmm. And the, just the flat version does. And I, I, I find that, like, aesthetically pleasing to have those shiny parts on the board for some reason. Yeah. yeah. Um, I I, we could touch base on the art because... Uh, there's not, there's, a, I think it's beautiful on the board. Like yeah. it's the, it's like you can see everything very clearly, but yeah. at the same time, like it looks really good. Like it's, it's nice to look at. The characters are really cool. I think they're drawn uh -huh. really neat. Um, so basically, overall, I personally think the art is really neat in it. Yep, art is great. Uh, graphic design is awesome. Yeah. Everything's yeah. colored. They chose to color the lines, which really helps, I think, yes, on the definitely. board. Obviously not very, like, uh, the real pipelines are not yellow. But yeah, there's three. Yeah. 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 yeah, there's three tiers in the game that's, like, higher up. There's, like, a, yeah. what, what are they called? Do you guys remember what they're called? There's mountain um, conduits? No, 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 like the, the, the three the tiers. Hills, hills and then the mountain, valley. Or, uh, valley, hills, and mountains. Elevations, I think. Elevations, Elevations is like yeah. what you're building. But um, maybe that's why they made the 3D board, so you can be able to tell like very well where those are. But the, the regular board, you could absolutely tell yeah. which is which. There's no confusion yeah. there. Yeah, I was going to say, the 3D board is completely, you can ignore that. It yeah. exists. I, I feel like it's unnecessary so much, but... I think the art, like Brandon was saying, the art and the graphic design is just fantastic. And I love the fact that when I'm teaching it, I'm teaching more about what the symbology yeah. is and less about like each individual space. I don't have to sit there and say, okay, in this space you're doing this, in this space you're doing this. I'm doing more of like, hey, this shovel symbol means you turn your wheel. This, mm -hmm. um, yeah. 
I can't think of the symbols right now, but mm-hmm. this symbol means that you run your power stations. This symbol. No, that's a good point. And people can figure that yeah. out from there and yeah. what the different yeah. things do. You don't do. necessarily have to go over every single space. You go over symbols, and then like yeah. you can put two and two together. What, yeah. What you guys are saying is the iconography is really good. I yeah. Think. yeah. The iconography <laughs> yeah. is great. Yeah. yeah. Yep. It makes for teaching the game uh, very good. Um, do you guys think it has a lot of luck in it? I mean, the only luck is the contracts coming out, right? Yeah. Which is a big deal, but not a huge deal. Yeah. Uh, I actually initially had concerns about that exact thing, because that's the high luck uh, mm-hmm. aspect. I think the contracts are very significant to the game, I think, and there's a random flip, and there's, what, three spaces or two spaces? Only two. Two spaces, yeah. Mm-hmm. Only two yeah. spaces. Very short. So you might, uh, when it's time, for you to make power, which is now or never usually, because like other people are going to do it if you don't do it, so the timing is very important. If there's time for you to make power and there's not the contract you like, then it's kind of not good for you, but I found over the play uh, the plays we've had that kind of just works out somehow. Mm-hmm. The stuff you get from, from contracts might be not exactly what you want, but it will help you flex a different way, maybe. Mm-hmm. So I think it's kind of, it, there is luck there, uh, but it's maybe not as much as I was, I was initially expecting it to be kind of really bad as far as that space goes, but it's actually decent. Yeah, yeah looking into it, I think that's scary. the only luck in the game. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, maybe yeah. you guys could think of something else, but I, there, that's the only thing I could come up with. There are some other flips on the expansion boards on the right side, but I feel like they're of less consequence to mm-hmm. to your game. The contracts are the big one because they have really powerful effects like push your wheel twice or, I don't know, cycle some water. Basically, they're like an additional action that you can do yeah. pretty much. But they all have really powerful effects. So if you yeah. don't get the exact one you want, you're getting another one yeah. that has. And I think that's exactly what I, what I found is it's fine because you get something else that's really cool yeah. if it's not what you're looking for. It's definitely not a point salad game. It yeah, doesn't there's... feel like there's a lot. It feels like you have to work for your points. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not just going to like... Generating power doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get points. And that's a difficult thing to do. But it's also the only way to get points. But you have to get contracts first. Yeah. And you have to fulfill certain things that are happening during that round as well. So if you're, like, basically if you're putting all your time and effort into shooting up your your power, how much power you're generating, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to score really high. I really like that aspect of it. There's steps that you have mm-hmm. to do. You have to do this, 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 and then boom, run it, and then feel cool. You have yeah. to bring things up together, and yeah. it's a really fun yeah. balance. Yeah. Um, it starts off really hard. I sucked yes. the first two times yes. I played. Uh-huh. Like It was like round three, and I hadn't done anything yet. <laughs> I still suck, and I still love it. The rules... I think are very easy to understand. When uh, uh-huh. when I was explained the game to me, I didn't read the rule book. It, uh, Justine taught it, and I, they were very clear. I understood everything. What wasn't clear was the strategy, mm-hmm. and that's what I love about a good game. To me, I'm gonna understand the rules, not gonna understand yeah. the strategy. Yeah, that goes to like satisfaction of playing the game for me. I think it's pretty satisfying the cool thing is pulling combos together for me sometimes for sure yeah. absolutely uh, yeah uh, like everyone is saying i think you need to balance things correctly and there are some really cool kind of cascading elements ha <laughs> cascading get it like water <laughs> cascading down like uh dams or whatever but anyway uh the really cool cascades you could do with like i push this contract which pulls this out and then next action I can do something really cool so like chaining things together feels really good um, and yeah the, like uh, it, 
I have a lot of fun with uh, coming up with like combo things, things that combo off of each other for satisfying results. And I think this game does variable player powers right. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, we haven't even talked about the variable player powers because it's such a thing that I think it just gives that tiny little bit of interest in the game. But it's not like we're playing four different games and you don't have to sit there forever and figure out how everybody's player right. works. Right. I'm not that concerned with what each of your guys' characters do necessarily. On, yeah. On your player board, you have one variable player power that unlocks when you put your third powerhouse down. I think I've done that once and I've played this game five times. Then you have your CEO board that has a power that is available to you all game. And I I had some initial concerns about balancing of the CEOs because there was one CEO that lets you copy another CEO's power each time. Like you get you place a worker on it and you get to copy. Um, and we all, when I first played that character, were like, oh my gosh, that's so crazy because that's, you know, super powerful. And it was super powerful only because everybody else's player powers were really good. And they were cheap to use. But then I played it as in a different game where everybody's player, their CEO powers were like, oh, spend two workers to do this. So in essence, I was spending three workers to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I completely got crushed that game with this uh, CEO board we thought was overpowered. It was kind of cool. Yeah, I had kind of concerns about, and I'm not sure if they're completely resolved, but I mean, I'm having fun with the game, and I've played like four or five times now, so I think it's pretty good, actually. (laughs) I had concerns about um, just balance with, first of all, CEO powers, to Justine's point. They kind of significantly change the game, and some of them feel really powerful, but I think they've worked out so well so far. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another concern I had is basically like the expansion boards. Um, Usually it's like awkward when they kind of are not very frequently used, and I think that's happened in our games. Uh, The power, the board where you can waste, basically waste uh, cement mixers and uh, diggers, whatever they are, colds in the game, to just buy stuff one time. I feel mm-hmm. like that kind of doesn't get used very frequently. And the other one is like the house board, where it's like an expansion. You can build a house, and it gives you a unique worker placement space for mm-hmm. just you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always had have concerns where there's like four options and. Like, one is maybe used by the end of the game, and, like, is this, like, a necessary part of the game? Is this, like, a bad action? Yeah. Uh, that's kind of what I was thinking about. Is, is, is this, I don't know, is this, like, good to have in the game? Or, but it, it uh, so far I think we've, we've, we've had a, a, a good time with those, and some, none of them have felt, like, overpowered and they they're occasionally useful i think i think wrenches might be bad too um so i'm always concerned when a game comes out with an expansion because i i wonder how much it got play tested uh i think releasing the game to the public first having a, at least a year before they start working on an expansion um I think the expansion's fine. I think it doesn't get used as much, but it does give you a different option as far as like, oh, somebody took that space, somebody took that space. So I think more spaces in a worker placement game like this, because it doesn't feel 
even when you add new spaces, it doesn't feel that open. It still feels tight because of the certain things that you have to do at certain times. However, I've never played the game without the expansion, so I could imagine it's still fine without the expansion, but I kind of wish they held off and gave us an expansion like next year. Yeah. If they aren't the strategically best things to do, I thought they were all kind of fun. I think the houses are fun. They can help you make cheesy combos. Yeah. What what my concern is basically they are fun, they work, it's just like they're not very frequently used. Yeah. Like maybe yeah. you buy the thing that wastes resources a couple of times during the game, towards the end of the game, and there's like three available every round, and it feels like they're pretty fail to me, but I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure. We still are learning how to We're play still the game, exploring it. We, yeah. we so, might revisit this game in the future podcast yeah. after we've played like a ton, maybe yeah. like sometime yeah. next year, and we can kind of revisit some of the things. Uh, another thing that I don't know if we've talked about really is the player interaction. The game is very, like people oh, are saying, gosh. like trolley. Like obviously you build a dam and someone builds a dam right above you and the, you're screwed. Uh, I had concerns that might basically kind of part of balancing the game. Maybe the person who is left alone the most wins, kind of. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, would have con- I had concerns that might be that kind of a game. I think it's fine, though. I yeah. think as long as you can see what's happening and you can see what's happening, someone's like starting to build a conduit where uh, obviously it, they're going to start sucking water away from you. You can kind of do things to flex. You can uh, try to counter by building somewhere else. You can try to get water back into your place. You can mm-hmm. try to get so much water that it overflows over their dam. So there's things you can do to kind of mitigate those things, I think. It does feel like you're getting attacked, though, for sure. In that game is pretty high player yeah. interaction, I think, um, and it might decide the game. But it, I think it's it's fine. It's less than what I was expecting when I first heard about the game and the rules. I thought like it was going to be just really devastating if someone builds above you and you're just screwed and can never win, kind of a thing. It's super bloody, but I feel like the the effect from someone building above you is almost so far removed that it doesn't feel that bad. And then I also, with that same thing with the player interaction, there's also the ability to like draft off of other people. So as soon as someone builds their powerhouse and has that going, the water that flows through their conduit down into their powerhouse is then going to flow into the basin underneath the powerhouse. So you know exactly where there's going to be water and you can like plonk yourself yeah. right there. It's kind of cool. Yeah, it's actually way fun. It's a little bit past my sweet spot. But it's ditto all your points. As as, it ended up yeah. not being yeah, as far a little as bit started. unpleasant. You yeah. Mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I like that unpleasant. I like the player interaction to this yeah. type of game. Like I think it's like adds for kind of humorous moments and it embraces it. it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it could it could possibly stop um, a runaway leader. <sighs> you can do things unless you just like leave them alone. And th- then it could become too late. There's a collective responsibility, which yeah. is often fun in games. Right, right. Like, if you have some troll who's hitting the last place player, sure, it's awful. What game isn't awful if you're in last place and people are still trolling you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. But, yeah, I mean, my only cons about this game, honestly, is just, like, some component, component stuff, which, like, yeah. actually don't bother me that much. The water droplets were really bad. They were hard to so pick bad. up. They were kind of ugly looking. They looked like, some, like they got them from, like, Michael's. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, they look like the jeweled kind of like yeah. stuff you put on like jeans in the nineties. Okay. Um, but they were uh, they replace uh, Matt and Justine replaced them in their copy with just like little light um, like those half clear stones yeah. that you can and get from like most games board game stores for like a couple bucks. 
which like look better but like honestly like my only complaints about this are like minor component stuff like i would have rather the um mechs being cubes like yeah i don't need them to be like little tiny intricate little meeples like they break they could break and they're just really small and like kind of hard to manage and they're kind of hard to see the 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 ones from the threes you know yeah Uh, Um, yeah there was a kickstarter actually for fifth player expansion extra mix fixed uh wheels which are going to come in the retail game i think so it's kind of funny the kickstarter backers actually got shafted a little bit so yeah i was gonna say (laughs) i think i'm excited to get the retail version because i think the retail version is going to be more towards what i want it to be it might just be cubes i'm not sure after all that drama in the (laughs) room i don't think they're going to be cubes i think there's probably going to be more of them because i you maybe hopefully I don't we'll think see. they can make anything better than the thing. After all that drama, they can't. But <laughs> this is a game that, <laughs> like, so much heat. I was so disappointed that I missed the Kickstarter, and now I'm glad that I waited till retail. Yeah. And I, that kind of sucks for the Kickstarter people, but maybe yeah. they don't have the same complaints about the components we do, though. Hopefully. Um, so, overall, feelings about the game? I give it a thumbs up. It's right up there with Zolkin and Grand Austria Hotel and his line of games, mm-hmm. you know? enthusiastic thumbs up and I would say kind of like to Brandon's point if you miss the Kickstarter I would say that the retail version is going to be just as good I think it's definitely think, worth buying if not better if not better <laughs> yeah. so it's just the funniest thing ever no 3D board though no foam no white foam I guess you should say um no, I uh, actually initially I looked at the game on Kickstarter and I was like, uh, this might be like a wacky kind of unpolished game in a weird way, like a lot of Kickstarter games are. Matter that I played it like four or five times, I think it's actually pretty excellent. Like it's a really good game. So a thumbs up for me. Might actually be the one of the better games of uh, 2019, if not the best game of this year. That's exactly that, yeah. exactly my feelings on it. I was going to say, maybe I'm jumping the gun, but I could say right now this is probably going to be my favorite game of 2019. Yeah, and I think it's going to influence later games. I think we're going to see the novelty of the water trickling down in a lot of different implementations. We're going to have passengers going through bus terminals or something. We're going to see oh. a lot of games where we run things through things. And you can block things. Ha! And... Ah, novelty, but Spirits of the Rice Paddy I was going to say, Spirits of the Rice Paddy does that. They, but they do it differently. Though. It's a different It's thing, not yeah. a shared it's board. It kind of like yeah. moves to everybody's it, board. But it's, yeah. it's not 2D, it's 1D. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So yeah, I really enjoyed the game. Simone Luciani delivers again. And um, that's Barrage. All right, so now we're going to get into our top three long play games. LP games? Yeah. <laughs> uh, what do we like consider? What do we, what do we consider uh, long play games? Well, it's three hours plus. Like, that's mm-hmm. what kind of the cap we're putting on this is three hours plus. I don't have a sense for the stopwatch the way you guys do. I just know that if a game's dragging, oh, wow, this is long, you know. Yeah. So you have, like, top three games that you'd rather not play? I guess so. I keep on doing that to myself. <laughs> no, I also, I also wasn't too ridiculous about the three-hour thing. Like, I don't know. I just I just put games on my list which, like, felt kind of longer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. not in a bad way, obviously, because they're my top three games. No, yeah, but, me too. Right, right, right. But, yeah, <laughs> just kind of games which kind of feel longer than usual. That's uh-huh. kind of, That was kind of my thing. Um, so for me, yeah, long games are the ones that feel longer. I did try and stick to the three hour plus rule because I do have an eye for that kind of stuff. Um, but I do want to say when I talk about like these top three long games, they're games I like, they're games I enjoy, 
but you are going to be hard pressed to have me commit to playing these because it's like my board game day. <laughs> yeah, like, definitely. I, it's yeah. It, it's hard to to stick to like three hours plus because they it varies, right? With yeah. like situations yeah. in the game um, and also certain players. Yep. But um, I would say that all of mine on my list are almost guaranteed to be mm-hmm. at least three hours, I think. But yeah. right. If I say a game is long, I usually mean it pejoratively. I don't in uh-huh. these cases. It's hard to yeah. make a like, game long that's good. But I usually right. prefer a game to leave me wanting more. Yeah, as far as categorizing games as long also, it hugely depends on the people you're playing with. It yeah. sometimes hugely depends hugely. on the player count. Sometimes like player count is exponential. Like two is like an hour Four is like four hours. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's kind of, I mean, so it's, it's a little bit iffy that way, but basically, sure. yeah. 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 I mean, I've played a game that was supposed to be an hour that took three hours because of one person. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That, yeah. That's the other aspect. If someone's taking like uh, really yeah. long turns, it can double the game time pretty mm-hmm. much. These so. are, I guess these are games that are meant to be really long games. <laughs> uh, so my number three is Indonesia. And this game you have to be careful because you have to make a bunch of little quick turns. It's long and you make a hundred decisions and some of them are supposed to be instant. And if you're playing with somebody who isn't making them instant, I so don't want to play this game. So with that caveat, I like how Indonesia um, makes you not bored with it because it's so long because it breaks it into three acts. Um, You start really ramped down with only two commodities. In Act 2, they introduce more commodities, and then in Act 3, it all goes crazy, and you're making hundreds of dollars at a time. has a really fun ramp-up, um, and it's a splatter game that I always will play. It's hard to get people to play, but as long as it's not five-player, I'm down to play. Uh, my number three was, I was thinking about putting Food Chain Magnate on, because I do enjoy that game. However, I've never played the full game of it. I've only played half a game. Uh, <laughs> I tend to quit that what? game, actually, a lot of the times, I think. You yeah. Because you concede to somebody who's going to win? Or you you see who's going to win, but also, like, kind of the length actually does yeah. come through with that. Like, it's like a detriment to the game, I think. I, I don't think... Gosh, let, let, me, let me rephrase that. I don't think the length is actually bad for the game. I just think you... You have to almost have that game planned. Like, we're playing this, and who cares if we play anything else? Yeah. And all the times that I've played it, it wasn't under those pretenses. It was like, we're going to, we're, let's play it. And then, like, this is going to be the whole night. We want to play something else as yeah. well. So we stopped halfway. So, yeah. You get to the halfway point, and you, oh, like, look at the th- cards that are put in that decide how much more money gets put in the Yeah, game. and you're like, oh, yeah, no way. Funny about this. Every, this one is a variable link. Yeah. <laughs> every time I look in there and it's like 100, 100, 100, 300, and I'm looking around the table like, which one of you idiots <laughs> put the yeah. 300 in there? Yeah. Uh, so, so my number three is going to be Merchant of Venus, uh, a game that I don't get to play a lot because I don't. I like playing at a two-player only, and it's long enough as two players. Three players is fine, but when you get to the four-player mark, it's like it's, it's really long. Um, I've I've talked about this game. I think in the past, I, I compare it to kind of Futurama, the board game. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of what I picture when I'm playing the game. Is you're just like you're on a ship and you're delivering things and you're taking passengers and dropping them off. It's a pick up and deliver game. Technically, like a ro- a roll and move game. Which I mean, it's an older game. I have the Fantasy Flight version, which comes with the old game. But on the flip side, is the newer game. I haven't played the old version of the game. I want to. I've heard that that's actually better. Um, but you roll and you move up to, and then you can mitigate the dice with like um, a dice in your own 
um, player space that allows you to kind of like add one. Anyway, um, it's a huge setup too and breakdown, so that's another reason why I don't get to play it a lot. But it is one that like I would be excited to play again, but maybe only two players. But I, I like it. I think the theme comes through. I think there's some interesting decisions. Um, I think the rule book is kind of crap. Like it takes you all over the place. Like it's. I feel like I'm playing a choose your own adventure when I'm reading that rule book. Like because it says like if you want to learn about this, go to this page. And I'm like, well, I don't want to just like skip yeah. over and read basics of everything. I want to dive deep into every subject. So I have to kind of flip to a different page. Um, but I do have like all these cons about the game. But I do like the game. Um, it is. It's. It's fun. And it, there's some interesting decisions in it. That's Merchant of Venus. I had some games that might be long, but I haven't played yet uh, in my future. However, my three for now is actually Rex. Um, I actually look at a Dune re-theme. Basically kind of the same game, I think. I actually looked at Dune, and it said it was shorter than new edition, the 2019 edition. So I kind of wonder if that's actually true. But uh, we played Rex a few months ago at someone's house it took quite a long time not sure if it was like huge amount of time but it was a good like three hours i think um it's kind of a area control game but is it really it's more like kind of a weird negotiation cosmic encounter almost type of game where everyone can do something really powerful almost pretty much broken actually Which and is actually fun. and actually that's <laughs> yeah. what makes the game fun i was going to say why is this game fun because i think it's uh everyone can do something really weird and something really powerful so it creates these weird situations where like there's alliances as well so you're trying to like ally with someone and their broken power and you guys are trying to together kind of win uh, their shared wins as well, which is kind of fascinating. So it's um, it's a lot of kind of like just talking about stuff that's happening in the game, just kind of talking about stuff that's happening on the board, just kind of negotiating like, ooh, what are you going to do? Like looking at your card powers, there's some fighting as well, which is kind of involved. There's like a battle system where you reveal things, and uh, it's kind of a lot to talk about. But um, I actually had fun the whole time. And that was kind of surprising because I was not sure if I'm, I was going to have fun with a game like that. Kind of a grand sci-fi or 4X, whatever, you know, kind of experience. Uh, but it was actually, it was fun the whole time. Um, my number three is Dominant Species. Um, and I will preface this with this is a game where I like the idea of it. I've enjoyed it in the past when I've played it. If you put it on the table and ask me to play it, I'm probably going to say no. (laughs) (laughs) Just because it is so long. And with it being um, like an area control game, I don't want to play it with someone who's going to be really, really, really upset if like my primates move into your amphibian zone. You can't get mad at me for that and you can't pout and be upset. And Not you just for the sensitive to... type, I guess. Yeah, right? yeah. 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 <laughs> um, with dominant species, also take out the volcano card. Oh, As the length the of thing. the game increases, my tolerance for weird random variants in card flips at the very end that tank everything goes yeah. really far down. Yeah, so definitely. There's like two cards house rule. That you Yeah, there's just one other one. I remember because... volcano and something else, but yeah. 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 Okay, my number two is Brass Birmingham. Along the lines of what I just said about dominant species, I want all of the screwage to be at least player-driven at the end, so you can appreciate, hey, good move, buddy. I don't want to top-deck anything. Indonesia and Brass Birmingham are all completely player-driven. 
Uh, Brass Birmingham is just pure good game. Uh, you can think in combos, and so it shouldn't take too long. If you're playing with the right people, they'll have combos in mind, and sometimes their turns just go bang, bang. Um, my number two, and uh, maybe Fristo, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm going to try to say the Portuguese pronunciation. Finush? Yeah, what I, I'm not the Portuguese expert. Uh, uh, I actually, this is actually one of the few games on my list that, like, if you just, yeah, like with Merchants of Venus, if you ask me to play it again with like with um, Justine's number two, like I might say no. I think with Venus, I will always say yes. I, I really enjoy this game. Um, it's it's an Eagle Griffin game, so they have like they're really good at like producing really nice looking Euro games, really thick everything, even if you don't kickstart it, right? Like mm-hmm. it's not like yeah, you, it's not it's like every edition is the deluxe edition, yeah. And it's Lacerda, and Lacerda has this like very he's got this talent for um at like ha- making a Euro game very thematic, and I do feel like I'm running a vineyard, a wine vineyard when uh when I'm playing this game, and yeah, I just I, I enjoy it a lot. Minush. So the number of actions you take a game is like twelve. It's really small. It's but tight. It's, it's a long it's, game. Yeah, yeah, that is true. That's interesting. Yeah. Are you reinventing the wheel every single time it comes around to your turn? I was going to say Vinush. I don't really consider actually a long game. The setup is actually kind of long, which is kind of funny about it's like all, game. all his games. Basically, yeah. like uh, the setup is like I don't know. That I feel can like make games seem really long. I feel like if Vinush, uh, you know how to play, and you've played like three times before, the game can go really fast. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think. I think where the length comes from is like each turn is yeah you get twelve turns, but each turn is like do this, which causes this to happen, which makes this happen, which makes it. so like yeah 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 each yeah, turn so is each like turn, a, its gonna, own decision. Yeah, yeah you're going to be That'll thinking be. a while on it. I think it's, it's more uh, like Risto said. It's more like the players. Like if if everybody has played the game yeah. several times, it shouldn't be that long. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm looking actually at like what I've recorded as it's, two and a half hours. Yeah. My number two is actually New Angeles. That game takes a while. Can take a while, actually. Um, I think I heard of a game at SaltCon which took, like, what, six hours or something of people sitting there. I was glad to not be part of that game. It's a negotiation game, kind of. So, actually, I sense a theme here. I guess I like negotiation games. Maybe I should like dipl- uh, should try diplomacy or something uh, someday. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, which is potentially another super long game, super screwy. Uh, New Angeles, you can play really fast, actually. If the uh, I've actually heard of like really dot games with it where people don't negotiate and they just play cards and I think that completely misses the point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and makes the game say, really I don't stupid. Even know how to play that game that way? Really stupid, horrible. Like it would not be even be a game at that point. It'd be just like this dumbness, really. Where, where the game comes in is people talking about and pushing their agendas. Really, mm-hmm. um, that's you should kind of get into that mold yep. and try to push your agenda and talk about stuff, which is where the comes in so you can sit and talk about the decision for like half an hour or you can just everyone agrees and we're done in 30 seconds so it's kind of a weird game that way but it kind of tends to just run long because people argue their point and people argue back and we just kind of start talking about stuff uh, a lot in that game but it's a really fascinating game uh you're trying to your corporation basically you're trying to push your uh Hidden agenda, right? Hidden agenda, yeah. yeah. Uh, Your hidden win condition over someone else, and you get points for doing your thing. 
which is fixing problems around the city. That's basically okay. how I can describe it. So it's kind of like a crisis management game where things have to be done at a certain point, but someone might be interested in doing something more than other people. And it's fascinating. I will always play it, actually. Um, <clears throat> kind of hard to get it played, I think, because of the time, usually, and just because of kind of like you feel like it's going to be a long game, you know? Mm -hmm. I have a five-player game logged in my phone at three hours and 12 minutes. Yeah, that's and not actually, bad. as a five-player yeah. game, that's yep. pretty that, like, that's not type, bad. it's not that yeah. bad. Yep. Yeah. But anyway, that's my number two. Um, my number two is Anachrony. Um, again, this is a game that I really like. I enjoy um, the idea of it's uh, you are um, time travelers, and I can't talk too much about it because I've honestly only played it once or twice. Um, again, because it's one of those games that someone will put on the table as an option to play, and then I look at all of the other games that people want to play, and I go, but I'd rather yeah, play two or three of those. Or anachrony, and it's always a balancing act. Um, but if I'm in the mood for like sitting down and playing one game for the night and getting really into it, anachrony's my go-to. I need to play it again. I had a really bad experience with that game. The person <laughs> teaching the game really didn't know the rules, and I don't uh, that. it was really bad. They but... basically sat us down and was like. Here, here's some cool parts about the game. And I was like, what about the rules? We'll learn together. I'm like, no. I know <laughs> that's not how this works. Brandon, no way. Was, Brandon was telling me about it, and it was hilarious. He basically set up the game, like, oh, yeah. talked about it for, like, two minutes, and, like, let's play. Yeah, and I had no idea, like, any <laughs> of the rules. Like, what? And then we got the rules tremendously wrong. I shouldn't say we, because I had no idea what was happening. Freestyle actually came <laughs> mid-game and started reading the rules and started, like, saying, uh, yeah, there's actually a big event that's about to happen that you guys don't look like you're prepared for and I was like I had no idea this was happening and the person teaching it was like he's coming and ruining the game I'm like no he's fixing it this is how you're supposed to play games anyway I need to play it again because the concepts of it seemed really interesting when Risto was like interjecting the actual rules into our faces um, I was like oh that sounds really cool like oh these now these actions aren't pointless anymore it was just like a mess Yeah. Uh, but I need to play it again you should play it is that yeah. playthrough logged in your phone what was the playtime on that one I don't even know if I think you said it didn't. All right, so my number one example of length in games is Lisboa. Um, it does a cool thing of you play half the game and then you collect all the cards and there's kind of a reset of sorts and then you play the second half of game. And always in both halves of the game, there's more I want to do and I'm not ready for it to be over. Also, the whole game, you're jockeying for the avenues and waiting for certain things to develop and more rubble to get taken off and you're waiting for boats to free up. And so the timing, it feels, you know, at the end of probably, if you put a stopwatch to it, the three hours, like the whole time I was involved and having fun and it never drags. I'm always, it always leaves me wanting more in both halves. Uh, Lishboa would be my number one, but the thing is, it's like my one of my favorite games of all time. So I just can't put it on every single yeah, list. Every like, single I just mechanism. feel like that's just That's why I'm focusing on what I like about the length of it, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. not talking yeah. about the other things. Yeah, yeah. like, um, I don't know, there's been so many lists where, like, I probably should have had Lishboa mm -hmm. on it, but I don't want, like, every single number one to be Lishboa, mm -hmm. so it's a great pick, and, like, yeah, for the, the time length, it's, like, a great game. But, so, instead, I, my number one is actually your number two, uh, Brass Birmingham. Um, uh, to, to add to what you said, it's one of those games that can drag depending on who you're playing with. Like you said, like you should play it with the right players. Um, our first game of it was four hours, um, but it didn't feel that long to me. 
Um, we did play with a player that was suffering from a lot of AP and didn't maybe understand the game so much because we had to keep telling him you can't do that, you can't do this. Um, but even with that, I still wasn't like, I want just want this game to be over. You know, I was still very much intrigued in the game. And it's one of those games like Lisboa and like maybe a couple others on this list where um, the length of the game doesn't get in the way because there's so many decisions to be made. So when you're sitting there, maybe you're thinking for a long time, that's fine because I have some thinking to do as well. Mm -hmm. So by the time it gets to me, I have a pretty good indication of what I'm going to do, except for there is some changes to the board which might uh, make me have to rethink my turn a little bit. But again, I think that's fine because everyone else is like locked in thinking. Mm -hmm. I don't think this is a game where you can sit around and have the conversation while playing. Everybody's head is down mm -hmm. and focusing and kind of calculating things. And to to me, like a long game, that's like what should be happening. I should be like focused the entire time calculating my moves. And this game has a cool refresh too that I forgot to mention. When you switch from canals to railroads, it kind of yeah, yeah, it does refresh the yeah. game. It feels a little bit yeah. different, yeah. And you, there's like a little bit of setup for that too in the in the first round. I don't know if they're called rounds or. Eras, Age. eras, ages, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Canal the, the canal age and the railroad age. So yeah, and that um, was my number one favorite game of last year like definitely top number one so yeah brass birmingham well this is going to be boring because my number one is brass brass in general i don't know if birmingham or lancashire i played lancashire last it was very similar but kind of different there's just beer a little bit right? uh, actually lancashire a little bit more cutthroaty there's um the loan thing not being able to take a loan out on the last card phase or whatever at the end of the game is very significant also you get cut off more from things because the board's kind of smaller i think so it's a little bit more less forgiving for new people i think in brass birmingham i think there's always something cool you can do in brass lancashire sometimes there's not so some not always something cool you can do <laughs> sometimes it's just sadness but anyway uh brass is just a cool game where I am entertained the whole time. There's always a cool action to plan for. There's always something cool coming around the corner. I kind of don't feel the time passing at all. And when we're done playing the game, I'm like, wow, this was really like three hours? Like, what? Weird. Definitely, yeah. Uh, I thought about a lot of Lacerda games as well. The thing is, like, it's kind of funny, but I was looking at uh, technically what BGG says about times, and I it's listed brass as like two hours max. I was like, mm, I don't know about this. So mm -hmm. I think a lot of these games can maybe be played faster, but again, going back to my experience with them has been not mm -hmm. uh, so much faster. Um but yeah, no, Brass is um, a great game. Um, always entertaining. Always, uh, even if someone's taking a long time, I actually don't care in that game so much because yep. I can plan my own things. Mm -hmm. So, like, whatever. Um, I'll finish off with uh, Lisboa. We made, a, we made a sandwich. Um, Lisboa <laughs> is... sandwich. Yeah, it's a That's Lissert the name sandwich. of my next band. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like it. Um, this is one of those long games that if it's on the table, I'm definitely more willing to play than the other two. That's kind of why it's my number one. Mm -hmm. um, I think Lacerda does this cool thing, and I think Vinyosh is the only one that doesn't do it, where you take an action, and then there's follow-on Oh, actions. the follow action, yeah. And that's what kind of makes the length of Lisboa so much longer, is those follow-on actions, I feel like. Mm -hmm. um, but... Part of that is, like, you're involved in what's going on. If you're going to take a follow-on action, you have to be involved in what's going on. So you're not just sitting there waiting for them to finish their turn. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, that's a good I, point. Like yeah. you're you're interested in what everybody's doing all the time. Yeah. Because of that, yeah. And Gallerist has almost the same. There's, you, a follow, there's less follow-ons, but you know, uh, Escape Plane doesn't. More important follow-ons yeah. in Kanban. Though. Kanban might have a Kanban follow-on. Kanban doesn't know. It you're doesn't. Right. I guess Lisboa and Gallerist are the only ones that do follow-ons. But um, I really like Lisboa. I think it's a beautiful game to look at. There's always something to think about. Like I yeah, the art is very elegant, right? Yeah. It's like yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and it's one of those games that like if I weren't concerned about the timing and the AP and the other people in the game, I could sit there and think about my turn for like twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. So if other people are taking a whole bunch of time on their turns, I'm not too worried about it because I'm continuing to think about what I'm going to do. Um, I yeah. think that's a trend in long games. If you're bored on your turn, it turns into boring downtime. Yeah, there's stuff to think about on your turn. Yeah, the long game has to yeah. be like has to, has to, has to. It has to have multiple things to think you about. You have to be able yeah. to plan pretty well. Yeah, I think. Yep. Yep. All right. So thanks for listening to Cards and Cubes. If you listened this long, I'm imagining that you didn't hate the game. So maybe go rate us. Give us a good rating on whatever platform you're listening to. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Both you could find us at Cards and Cubes. You could also email us uh, if you have any questions that we may answer on the show. Uh, you could email us at Cards and Cubes Podcast at gmail.com we also like to again thank Demolition Games for being such a great store again located at 3300 South and 85 West I'd like to thank Lindsay Hobbs for composing the theme and Kirsten Adams for um, giving us a logo um, you could follow her on Instagram at catcoffee that's K-A-T-C-O-F-F-E-E once again thanks for listening to us and we'll see you next time